from MZ Studios in Dallas, Texas, you're listening to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. Welcome to the revolution. Hey, hey introduction. I feel like we're in England right now. It's pouring down raining outside. <laughs> yes, it is. Very similar. We uh, we uh, are on... We didn't record. In honor of Wimbledon, we decided not to record on the middle Sunday. <laughs> I told somebody yesterday I was playing a tournament. I said I didn't show up for my match because it was the middle Sunday. Just in honor of Wimbledon. <laughs> I lost in about 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, so you were on vacation, and I was running a tournament this weekend. So um, opposites, yeah. So we uh, we didn't get to get into the studio, but we we trudged through the the torrential downpours Monday, and uh, and we're on in because we care. Is but, it always been called Manic Monday? I just heard that this man. year. I'm like, I don't remember them saying that before. No, I don't know. I I don't think so. I think they just Maybe. came with that this year. Who knows? I will tell you this though. Let me tell you something. I'm fired up to be in here on Monday and talk about it because the seeds are holding. <laughs> the C, I mean, it's in the men's. No mixed, mixed doubles. <laughs> I was talking about mixed doubles. What? Yeah, Did so, something happened that I'm not aware of. Did yeah, I miss something? A couple, a couple of the players lost uh, early. Holy hell! Um, yeah, the, the women's uh, draw is uh, it's a shit show. I did think it was funny how we spent so much time talking about the seating and what. Well, Serena should be seated, and then clearly everyone else. Uh, we should have been talking about why all those other players were seated one through ten. Yeah, yeah. So maybe she is ten, number one by default. <laughs> yeah, what a disaster. Um, but you know, I don't think uh, it. I mean, maybe it should. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm trying to be too polit- politically correct. Um, but I don't think it says the fact that the women are losing, the seeds are dropping like flies. I don't think is indicative. <laughs> Every now and again, I use a word on this podcast <laughs> of uh, you know of the strength or lack of strength of the of the women's field at all. I don't think it means anything. I think it's just a fluke. It's probably the opposite. Well, yeah, um, that too. Sure. But I, I don't even know that that's a story. I mean, they're making it a story, but I feel like you could say that about every Grand Slam for the last fifteen years. The men's four seeds are the same; they make it all the way through, and the women's four seeds don't. Right. I mean, I don't think it's that. I mean, yes, this is the first time. Zero out of the ten have been in the quarterfinals, which is which is insane. But it's, um, yeah, that's rough. <laughs> Maybe Serena's glad she's not a top ten because she'd be out, right? Because that's all that matters. It's the number next to you that means, right? Yeah, apparently. Yeah, so it's been uh, an eventful, an eventful women's draw for sure. It's uh, and, and to me, I think it adds intrigue. I enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I have mixed emotions about it. We talked about those the three things that I think make a good slam, and you know, the, the competitive early round matches definitely help. But the problem <laughs> is, if they're all all the seats are gone, then you're watching you know player A versus player B in the quarters, and it's like player you hadn't seen. So it, I, I prefer to see a really good player against an unknown up and comer. You know, to watch two unknowns, yeah, it's a little bit frustrating. I hear you, uh, but I will say, like some of the players. You know, on paper might be unknown, but we know him like the the. I don't even know how to say her name. Can you help me Shea. out? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> she got crushed today. Sad. That was depressing. But watching her play jalapeno. Yeah, is, those uh, kind of matches I love. You know, it, so having her go that deep, 
it's fun, even though we kind of don't know her, even though we do a little bit from Australia. Right. It's still kind of fun to see something so totally different. Well, and the way she plays, too. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Well, I, I, it was funny. I turned that match on, and Halep was down match point. And I didn't find out until the next day that she was up 5-2 in that set and lost five <laughs> games in a row. Uh, of course, she's on my fantasy team. Was. <laughs> but um, I, I just can't imagine her losing five games in a row being up 5-2 in the third. I don't. Did you really? see that? Did you see what happened? You can't imagine it? <laughs> well, I can't. Never even crossed your I mind. I can't imagine it. She normally doesn't choke when she's that far ahead. She'll choke, you know, in a third set overall, but not when you're that far ahead. It was uh, it was a little bit weird. Yeah. Well, she has choked that far ahead, but, uh, you know, you would hope that the carryover for, you know, from winning a Grand Slam would make the difference and well guess what it didn't <laughs> it just didn't and a friend of mine said oh wasn't the going to be a totally different player now that she's won a slam and, and she goes out yeah around. yeah she is because usually <laughs> she makes it deep and chokes in the later rounds no she choked early <laughs> yeah it was it was kind of painful to watch but well, i don't it, think she choked i mean no nah. again like you said it's it's uh the men choke when they play the big four the women maybe have bad matches right. but everybody's so close ability wise that it's not, I mean, obviously sometimes for jalapeno, damn you BG, that tennis nation. Um, does he call her jalapeno? I haven't heard that. I don't but know. It doesn't surprise me. I saw it somewhere. I'm sure it, he does. But anyway, she uh, she obviously has choked. But but for by and large, it's, you know, having a bad game or two and a little stretch and then boom, you get got. Right. You know, everybody's pretty close. Federer can have a bad month and he's <laughs> not going to lose. But why, what I understand is why... Five through fifty ranking of the men are horrible, and five through 50, five through fifty the women. Any of those can make it to a Grand Slam semi or final. I don't understand that. Um, because men are physically superior. <laughs> no, I don't know. I thought you were trying to bait me into some kind of sexist usually, answer. Usually, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know what you were doing, so I thought that's what you were looking for for ratings. But it's like they're all. Dumb. I mean, I just don't understand why none of the men, and even I, I was watching McEnroe this morning. Uh, John McEnroe, they were both on there, but I was, John was saying, he basically said what we've been saying for a year. He was saying, what's wrong with these players? Like, how can Federer at all still be one and two? And all these other guys said, not only are they not as good as them, they also don't even look like they care as much or want to be as good as them. Well, he had that little dust up with um, Marion Bartoli. Did you see that? I think I heard something about so that. So she... And it's funny because you watch the YouTube of it. They're sitting at a picnic table, <laughs> just sitting around hanging out. And the 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 woman that's asking the question, I guess she's a host or whatever, she's got this big giant windscreen on the mic, <laughs> uh, and it looks like she has a sh- you know like a, a sheep dog coming out of her uh, a cord to her mouth. Uh, but she sounded great. There was no wind problem, so I guess that works. But uh, yeah, so she's she's got. Uh, John McEnroe and uh, Marion Bartoli and talking to them about, I don't know, maybe they talked about other stuff, but the only clip I heard was about Kyrgios and Monfils. Yeah. And Bartoli just busted them up and said, yeah, they're they're children. I'm, <laughs> waiting, I'm waiting for them to be men. I was like, yeah. damn, girl, he's <laughs> up, player. You win one Grand Slam. You done. <laughs> you, yeah. Out of nowhere, after right. everybody got, you know, got bounced out of that tournament and she you know, limps through. But, um, I mean, she's right. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, they don't work hard enough. They don't. I don't and know what. Ha- they do. I guess that is does allow her to say that because she won one, <laughs> and they've won none. Right. So yeah. But I mean, yeah, that's one thing I don't like about watching 
like for example, I thought today's tennis for the Monday, the greatest day in tennis of the year, was pretty terrible. But they're never going to say that on ESPN because it's they have to promote their own you know yeah. stuff. So I like to see interviews from other people that aren't getting paid by the network that we're watching, right? Because then you get a a, a, a realistic opinion, which yeah. is what we try to do. Yeah, make shit up. Because <laughs> I just thought that. Today's tennis, I mean, you had Federer, Nadal, and Serena on center court, which they, oh, what an amazing day. The three goats and blah, 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 blah. Well, they didn't lose a set between the three of them. Right. And so I would have been pissed if I bought that ticket. Yeah. Now, yeah, I want to see those players. But, again, it goes back to what I was saying about what makes a slam. For me, the second week of what makes a slam is you have to see the top players be challenged. Right. You're supposed to be, if you're the cream of the crop rising to the top, that rhymed. <laughs> I'm awesome. <laughs> Best podcaster ever. Uh, but, yeah, by the second week, you have battled through and proven your you know, ability, and then you play one of the top four, and you just get murdered. It's right. ridiculous. And so it's, it makes, and again, we said this before, it makes those matches that are eight, six, and the fifth mean absolutely nothing because it doesn't matter who won it because they get killed by the top right, four. I mean, right. Yeah, it was a great match to watch, but it doesn't matter if it leads to nothing. And two words for you that sicken me in the second week. Women's tennis. Oh, my <laughs> Just God. Kidding. Just kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's holding. By the way, he's holding up a poster board of Jack Sock when he said that. <laughs> um, what happened? Did he not play in Wimbledon? She- <laughs> <laughs> I think he retired. <laughs> he was no. Up, he was up two sets of love. Uh, he's dominating lost. in mixed doubles. Yeah. With his ex-girlfriend, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Dear Lord. Someone did text me and say, Sock needs to just stick to doubles. He looks great. I said, yeah, maybe that's why he loses first round, to focus on doubles. Well, listen, if he can get in and make some change, make some change. Yeah. I mean, look. He needs to make a lot of change. <laughs> <laughs> you don't mean the money kind. No, exactly. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, by the way, again, I am not a gossipy person. I don't know any of these human beings. I don't know any of them. But... He's a jackass, by the way. <laughs> and I get that from one place and one place only. Not from rumors, not from hearing, oh, I played him when I was a junior. and he, Nope, none of that. Instagram. The way, Yeah, Instagram. <laughs> I, he was sending me pictures. <laughs> no, when, uh, when he has outbursts on the court and he's like a little punk, that's all I need to know. Right. That's all I need to know. Yeah, he has a very similar attitude to Kyrgios on the court. He doesn't get as much criticism, maybe just because he's American. I think, hmm, I think he is actually, I think he's more mean-spirited about it, though. Yeah, I was going to say with Kyrgios, you're right. Kyrgios is is more like, he goes into like in and out of caring. In and out of caring. Whereas Sock is like always angry at someone. Yeah, in and out of caring and a little immaturity, where Sock is just an asshole. He's just a bad person, it seems like to me. Well, who was the match this tournament? I forgot who, who I've already forgotten who it was. I'll, I'll remember in a second. But they literally said to the umpire, I think it was Isner, he said, the challenge system obviously isn't working. <laughs> he actually argued with the Hawkeye review. Yeah, it was Isner. Oh, it was, was a baseline. That was hilarious. It was a baseline call. Yeah. And uh, I think he stopped the point. <laughs> And they went to the replay, and he just goes on and on and on and right. on and on about it. And I was happy because we could actually hear him, which we normally can't. Right. Well, then they show the replay, not the Hawkeye replay, right. but they just kind of keep going back and forth showing the ball landing. Yeah. And it's clearly close enough right. for not him not to be flipping his shit. Exactly. It was clearly close enough to where it reasonably could have been out right. or in. Yeah. Let Hawkeye make the decision and shut your big, tall face. <laughs> 
And that was so funny because you don't ever see anybody argue with that. They normally just say, oh, well, whatever. Right. And he was like, wanted them to, like, he wanted the umpire to overrule the Hawkeye, <laughs> which I don't even think they're allowed to do. Right. Probably not. <laughs> that was just, and somehow, in spite of all that, he's in the quarterfinals. But, uh, and he, and he made it by doing, by having a five setter. Yeah. Which we always say, hey, that ruins you. But it is a grass court five setter. Well, and they made a great comment too during that match. They said that's the kind of match that he would normally lose, which right. I totally agree with. Yeah, and, and I just hope he doesn't flame out like he did in you know the French to Del Potro because he he's kind of uh, he's definitely turned a corner his game. But we'll see how much of a corner he's well, turned. Well, he's got round inch, and I don't know that round inch is Delpo. Yeah, I mean, I mean they, but it's the same style though. That's the problem. Clearly, they share the same doctor <laughs> uh, because they can't get it right. right. But. Uh, <laughs> But, but that's the same style. Like Isner is never going to break him. Yeah, but Roundish does not have. But Roundish couldn't may not break him either. Well, he doesn't have near enough off the ground compared to Delpo. I don't think. No, definitely not. And so you know, so who knows? Yeah, that could be one of those four or five tiebreak matches. Well, I guess it can't be five tiebreaks, but four tiebreaks, and then who knows what? Yeah, it won't be a fun match to watch. Um. Have you been as annoyed as I am every year with the fact that they just show the top players all the way down to the last point, and you'll have a match on the next court that's five all in the fifth set, and they're showing right with Federer's up six one six zero oh, six you know five one serving for the match. Of course, I think we talk about that all the time. But yeah, Federer had a six zero oh set. I mean, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> I fast forwarded it actually, and then they said that he had a break point against him in that set, which is the first break point he's had against him in the tournament. Yeah, I don't think anybody's gotten a deuce, apparently, on his serve. I guess, well, they did. He did that set. The 6 Right, but I mean set. before him. Right. Yeah. That's just <laughs> absurd. You cannot tell me. I mean, he's going to be 50 years old kicking the <laughs> shit out of everybody. This is ridiculous. Well, so I had never seen them get this detail in the stats, but at the time, he had played 41 service games. Only eight times had the other player got to 30 out of 41 games. <laughs> that noise is me beating my head on the microphone. <laughs> If you don't realize that it's not just because he's a great player, but it's because the competition he's facing is garbage. Andy Roddick pushed him every time <laughs> played him. <laughs> that was 19 years ago. Right. That was before I was born. No, it's not. <laughs> and these jokers now who are half his age. Right. Not quite. But close. Well, some of them are. But close. Yeah. Well, nobody's. Pass. He's not 15. Well, Federer's, what, 36? Yeah. So that'd I guess be, he's 19. Yeah. Um, but like I said, that's why I said close. Yeah. So They will be by the time he's done. Oh, my God. They'll be playing people have his age. Yeah, everybody's talking about his Nike contract, not, you know, in the Uniqlo doing this 10 year. Oh, he won't be playing. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. He'll be. So, what, so he plays 10 more years. That's 40 potential slams. He'll win 24 of them. Right. <laughs> and he'll sit out for 11 of them. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What I thought was hilarious is that he, he, I read an interview with him, and they, he goes, yeah, I hope that Nike will give me my logo so I can keep I'm like, yeah, I'm sure they're going to do that. They're going to give up, you know. They well, can keep selling it. Why wouldn't they? Well, he made it sound like that it will come to him contractually at some point, but he's hoping they do it sooner. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. yeah I, I thought maybe I mean, I got news for or you. something. I got news for you redesign it the slightest little amount yeah who cares you can get you know you get squared off you know all it well, is it would is be the, funny if nike kept selling it <laughs> making with a him not being there with them not being their player yeah well he still got their shoes so some there's something 
I know that's kind of weird. Um, but I don't think he's getting paid by them anything. I think he just doesn't have... Unigo doesn't make shoes, apparently. So oh. he has to get a shoe contract from someone else. You would think Unigo would have just made a shoe. He's get a footlocker and they'll <laughs> give him free Nikes. <laughs> but yeah, he apparently went from $7 million to $300 million, Or oh, $7 million a year. Wow. To $10 million a year. Yeah. Wow. It's, uh, no, to $30 million a year. Is it $30 million a year? Oh, it's yeah. It's 10-year. Yeah. Wow. That's... And that's, for someone who plays half the tournaments. That's uh that's almost what we make doing this podcast. <laughs> He's doing all right, you know. <laughs> yeah, I just and again, I'm not mad at him for killing everybody, but he had the easiest draw I've ever seen. Nadal had the second easiest draw I've ever seen. And then um Djokovic had a tough draw. He's actually earned his spot. Better Nadal had the easiest draw of the top two seeds I've ever seen in a grand slam. Right. I mean, I guess even Manorio is a top 25 player, but is he really? I don't know. He's never made a Grand Slam quarter, I don't think. Well, if if Federer and Nadal are in the finals, man, it's it's just not it's just not a healthy and sustainable way to for your game to be popular. Right. No, I agree with that 100%. Two and a half players. <laughs> well, Djokovic isn't back. Although his results, he might be back. Yeah. So maybe now he's back, and we can just assume he's that you know top. And even if Murray's back, who cares? He doesn't beat those three guys anyway. So well, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. So I would say you're right. Two and three quarters. Golly, uh, man. And well, here's what's worse. Let's say it's Federer in the final, and Federer beats him six four six three six four. Then what does that say? Nadal's that much better than everybody else, and he still gets killed by Federer. Right. I mean, how can that be a positive? It's not a, it's not a healthy and sustainable way to to grow tennis. It's just not. Star power gets you a little bit in the door, but you got to, you have to sustain it. You have to. Well, and the other thing McEnroe said today, they were talking about catching off and might have been CT Poss, but I think it was someone else. And I think it was CT Poss, and he said, "Oh yeah, these two guys are future Grand Slam winners." Oh my winners God, for sure. Shut and your I'm like, face. "How can you say that when no one in the last ten years has won a slam?" Because they're twelve, right? And so they, he's they're going to be playing <laughs> they have after. To be gone. They're better than the rest of the garbage right. that is playing. And garbage is relative, obviously. <laughs> I mean, they might be able to get a set off me, but they're not to the level of the best in the game at this point. And yeah. it's just it's just pitiful. It's just pitiful. I hope, I hope that Djokovic to some degree and both Federer and Nadal to a large degree realize they are stealing right now. They're right. stealing. <laughs> they're going into Wimbledon and they're taking that three million dollars and they're putting it in their pocket and they're running out of there and every grand slam and every term they play they're stealing well what'll be issue will we say that would we say the same thing if serena wins this tournament no because that would be racist <laughs> because every top player lose every top player has lost they've proven they're not real top players right but that's not that's not endemic two words in the same <laughs> episode well and they've had some of the women have had consistent success. There's been no player outside of the big four that's had consistent success in the last 15 years. Right. Yeah, they have all been the next, and then they're not. Right. And then they suck. I was thinking about you and Del Potro today, because he is the one person that I think probably deserves to be in the conversation. Well, and Chilich also, and yeah. he... I don't know how he lost in this tournament. Because you can. Because it's an individual <laughs> sport, and you know it's one-on-one, -on -one and it's a tough sport emotionally. It's a tough sport physically. So sport mentally, and so it's going to happen. Yeah, it's not a huge deal. For Federer, for some reason, and it's on grass, <laughs> and so, well, I, 
I just wonder if they know in their heart of hearts that uh, we're playing in the weakest error in the history of men's tennis. I think Federer, if you asked him, you know, the difficulty of his opponents or how difficult was this slam to win versus, you know, I mean, the one he won in Australia when he came back, he had to go through a few five setters. That was great. It was a great tournament. You had, you know, he had to battle. He earned it. He beat tough Billy, beat Nadal in the final. That I had no problem with. I thought that was a great turn. But now that he's just rolling, I would rather him not even be in the tournament. Put it that way. Because it <laughs> then would we would never know. Then right. we would never know. Right. Because again, again, let me let me please state this so nobody, you know, tweets me or whatever other people do. These players aren't terrible tennis players. They are physically gifted. Every single one of them. From number one, obviously, Federer and those boys. All the way down to the 200th play, including including Jack Sock. <laughs> they are absolutely they're physical specimens. They all have speed and strength and agility and all those things. Every single one of them. There's not a huge difference physically in any of them. Like I've always said, if you were to put somebody behind a shadow wall where you could just see their you know hitting, right? You would see or or just blur out their face or kind of not whatever. And watch them hit, you wouldn't be able to pick out which one's top 200 Definitely. and which one's top 50. Right. So they're all, and if they were to do testing, so you'd run short sprints for time, you'd do shuffles for time, you'd do, you know, these other various testing, you know, methods that, you know, really tennis players go through, and you put all the measurables on a piece of paper and graph it out who's who, who's number one, who's number two, who's number three, you wouldn't be able to tell. No. Strokes. You know, all those things, you wouldn't be able to tell. Put them in a big match. Oh, you can tell. <laughs> and that's what I mean. When I, I mean, it's a shit show. It, I, I'm comparing them to everyone, the best, yeah. and they're, it's, it's garbage. Well, it, and that's kind of what McEnroe was saying. He was just saying, he was saying, I don't understand. He basically was a little bit confounded. He's like, how can the, these guys not be catching up? <laughs> well, of course – of course he's saying that because he's obviously been listening to the pod. Yes. Pod Karma. He knows about Pod Karma. Well, so I'm going to turn around uh, Corey's corner on you oh, no. for this week. Give it to me. What will make the second week of the tournament? What will make the second week a success? Rain. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good answer. All right. So how about if any of these guys, you know, show some uh, emotional control and capacity to compete all the way through? And again, I am, I am. Th- Here's what it used to be like. It used to be, you're you got a guy in a in a Grand Slam final, and he's up a set, and he makes one mental or one emotional mistake, right, by missing a backhand volley to go up two sets to none. Yeah. One, and that's it. Right. And that's all that mattered. And that's cost him. And it's and it's a five set classic. Yeah, maybe the greatest match ever. What? It wasn't Nadal and Federer in 08? Shut up. I'm going to throw my TV out the I didn't, window. I was out of town, so I couldn't watch that. Oh, You know, it's funny. I've been not watching it on purpose because you couldn't watch it, and I know you want to cuddle with me in popcorn uh-huh. while we watch it. No, but I, at some point I want to talk about it when you know we slow down with tennis. Right. But you take that Roddick match in the finals with Federer, and it's literally a, oh, my God, not even a point. It's a shot. Right that he had a mental lap, emotional lapse, and boom, Federer took advantage because he is mentally tough, right. as we call it, but uh, emotional control. But by 1%, like you by said, 1%, compared to the other guy. By 
Now, did he ever beat him in a final? I don't think so. He might have beat him in some smaller yeah, final somewhere. The, I don't yeah, know. Well, not in a Grand Slam. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. So, and it, but it's such a small difference that you're like, you're riveted because it matters because there is a real chance. There is no chance, <laughs> none for any of these idiots. That's why when Federer lost, uh, Nadal lost in Madrid, I'm pointing, by the way, which I don't even know which direction Madrid is. I'm just pointing because I'm animated here. So Nadal lost in Madrid. Better loses at, uh, whatchamacallit, not the Boodles, I wish. Holla. Holla. Queens. Queens, whichever one it was. I didn't care. I didn't give a shit. It it didn't make one bit of difference. It tricked people into talking about, oh, maybe this is the, you know, uh uh-oh, this is a sign of things to come. (laughs) We're really going to see the landscape of tennis really change here. (laughs) No, we're not. We're not. We're going to see the exact same thing for the next 10 years. And uh, we need some jackass out there who doesn't care and has gives no respect to his elders and comes in and just starts kicking the shit out of everybody. Well, and do you remember when tournaments used to actually... The matches used to actually get closer as the tournament went on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, like, I do. Like each opponent was supposed to get better and challenge you more. It doesn't happen. No. The weakest error in men's tennis, I've <laughs> said it since the first episode of this podcast. But so, do you need someone to beat Federer to make it a success or just no. push him? No. I would take Roddick right now. <laughs> like, his, no, no, I mean, like his results, like right. his level of, of competitiveness. Yeah. He needs a coach. If he doesn't come back, Andy, Andrew, Mr. Roddick, I don't know you, <laughs> sir, um, you need to come back and at least coach. For the love of Pete, you got to, and I don't mean Pete Sampras, but you got to do something because this is just out of hand. It's out of hand. <laughs> so out of the 15 players, well, I guess there's more than 15 because they didn't finish today, or I guess it'd be eight players left if they finished, but out of the 12 or 13 players that are left, who has the best chance to beat Federer and not Nadal? Or Djokovic. So Jack Sock <laughs> is out. Um, I know you had big hopes for Manorino today against him, but <laughs> I actually thought that match would be a little bit closer. Well, listen, uh, here's what we've said, and it might sound dumb, but I do think Isner's got a shot. Because I don't think Isner, I don't think his issue is emotional control. <laughs> disregarding the <laughs> arguing with Hawkeye. Right. I wish they would have brought the machine out and he could just yelled at it, <laughs> maybe kicked it a couple of times, right. reset it. The officials just pointed the screen at him. Um, But, you know, he's got enough swagger to not give a shit if he can hold up physically. I mean, his number one issue is physical, in my, point, in my you know, opinion, because, he, you know, he can't stay out there long. The upside is slow. Right. Fast courts mean fast points. Yeah, I think the problem with him is he just will try to press too much. Like, he'll, he knows that the point has to be over in three shots for him to win, and I think that'll hurt him against Federer. If he can, if he can just kind of hit big serves, that's the problem, is Federer's one of the few people that's smart enough just to block balls back right. to him. Because he knows that right. if he gets it back, it's probably a 50-50 or 60-40 at right. that point. And I, and I don't mean a good return. I mean, if he makes a return, right. it's almost neutral. Yeah. Um, so he turns that big serve immediately into almost neutral. Well, if he can if he can serve well in the first set and then just on Federer's return, just lay back in the cut and just wait, and if he gets a little chance, gets a little up, you know, 15-30, right. um, you know, and then maybe he tries to push and just sneaks one, then maybe. I think people need to start playing Federer's serve more like they do the big servers and just, just guess. He yeah. seems to, he, oh, yeah. whatever side he hits, 
is an ace, and it's like just pick a side. He right. doesn't hit body serves that often, especially his first serve for sure, because his his second serve is gettable. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you know it's it's hard for me to even say who. I just hope somebody does. Well, I I just can't imagine Kevin Anderson. That's who he plays next. I yeah. can't imagine you know if round it Roundage wins. No. I can't imagine him doing. They were it. acting like Roundage was a threat, and I'm like, why would you say that? He beat him once, but Federer could barely walk in that match. Right. Uh, I mean, and you got Nadal and Djokovic. I think Misha Kaur is going to take out Djokovic, and people are going to hear this after that happens, <laughs> and I'm going to look like an idiot. But uh, we'll edit it, and I'll say, let me just say, I think Djokovic is going to beat Misha Kaur. There you go. Now it's fixed. <laughs> we can put either version in, right. depending on what happens. Yeah, I don't. Djokovic's been looking pretty good, but I think they've been overstating how good he's been looking. No, but uh, but he's um. Hmm. Well, I got to interrupt you first. Here's oh, my favorite thing they do in these. I just love that Djokovic is now has his mentality back. He's got the eye, you know, they used to have. I'm like, why they, are we praising someone for what you're supposed to do when you do play? They, um, do they talk that breathy and sexy <laughs> on women? I haven't. What yes, channel they do. are you? Uh, but but it's like, it. yeah, I don't. Uh, I got to use your announcer accent you used, but. Yeah, they're like they they praise him for stuff that you're supposed to do. Well, they have to. It's that's like, all they have. It's like that's what you are supposed to do in every match. Like, what are they going to do? Take a year to get your your motivation back. What are they going to do? Say, Manorino misses another easy return. <laughs> I mean, what are they going to do? They have to, you know, it, force it. Yeah, I, I mean that's true, but it's I don't know. It's just they. Well, I don't praise him for it. I'm saying you can say right. that he's got it back, but <laughs> right, don't act, right, oh, right. we're so don't, happy that he's got. I'm like, yeah, don't act like all of a sudden it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Right. I'm like, every player out there should have the same intensity that he has now. By the way, Kerber. That's who I'm picking. You know, it's funny you say that. I've actually been uh, – I was really impressed with her today. It is, it's kind of funny that we're picking her because she's the number 11 seed who's the best seed left. But, yeah, I think Serena well, – But listen to these names. It's not like on the men's side. Listen to these names. Seeds or no seeds. Right. Sibokova. Oh, yeah, Grand Slam champion. Ostapanko. Grand Slam champion. And then disappear. Kazetkina. Up and coming. All right. Kerber. Yeah, Grand Slam champion. Burtons. Nah. Well, no. No, 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 no. But I'm not afraid of the name I'm right. saying. It's not, oh, like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not like, who the hell is that? It's, right. Wow, these are all ballers. Yeah. I mean, Gerges has had her ups and downs, but, she, you know, same thing. Right. Um, I don't know this one. Um, Von Utvank. S. Williams. <laughs> S. Um, I watched her. She's in, only the 25 seeds, so she can't be that no. good. I watched her entire uh, And Camilla Georgie, same thing. I mean, yeah. it's all, all – every player, it's not just some numbnuts from, you know, right. some random country who happened to – oh, wow, this is the first time they've ever made the second <laughs> week of a slam or a tournament, for right. that matter. Matter of fact, they just started playing tennis. <laughs> it's incredible. Well, and it is – we're not – we don't ever criticize a women's game, but I watched that documentary of Serena when I was on vacation. You mean her HBO right. show? Her, uh-huh. oh, I wow. watched every episode. And – don't let's have a, don't give a synopsis. Just <laughs> no, tell me whether I, I should watch it for myself or do you want me to watch it for the podcast? Which would I be? I didn't find it to be that entertaining. I have to say, I was a little bit disappointed. Actually, uh oh, it's very well. I would say it's about twenty percent tennis. I'll put it that way. Uh, Serena's army. Um, he <laughs> said that. Corey said that. Not coach. Well, it's about twenty percent tennis, uh, which I was interested in. That twenty percent. The rest was just her life and yeah, and which is fine, but. I will say that how bad she was, her tennis was during that period. It is pretty amazing how well she's playing now, and that she's now the favorite to win this. Because if you watch that, you would think she's never going to play tennis again, right? Um, and her coach sort of even at one point was like, "You sure you want to keep doing this?" Well, just remember her, her legs, her shoulders. You know, I mean, did 
two big driving forces of our game, you know, those aren't directly affected by pregnancy and child. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not like somebody got an ACL. Well, and she's got all the resources. They were talking about she, the woman she played today was a mother, and they were saying, yeah, she didn't quite get the same attention when she came back on tour <laughs> that Serena did. Um, so everyone <laughs> is anti-woman here, including her documentary. Right. But it was uh, it was just kind of funny. They they were they had a trivia question about who's the mother only mother she's ever lost to in a slam. And it was Kim Clijsters. But outside of that, you don't ever hear about the people just disappear and they come back two years later. Right. And you're like, oh, here they are. Oh yeah. And they have to battle their way back. Right. Right. No no seating arguments. But she's for definitely Kim. making us look dumb. I think we said if she made the semis, we'd be wrong about the seating. So she's got kind of a pretty clear path. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, I, we were wrong about the seating with everyone. Right. So it's not. Yeah. Uh, I think I think we sort of mentioned that fact that ah the seedings are never one hundred percent accurate anyway. Well, how about zero? So we haven't talked about this ever, but how much do you think the players actually look at the other players' results during tournaments? Results? Uh, well, meaning like, do you think that after see five seeds lose, like the rest of the seeds are like, oh man, I don't want to be like them? Well, first of all, I'm sure that a lot of them try to block it out so that it doesn't mess with their heads. Well, they all say they do. That's what I'm wondering how much they actually do. Like, I feel like they're probably sitting there watching Wimbledon highlight shows and everything in the hotel. No. You don't think so? No. They're taking steroids. Watching Netflix. <laughs> watching Netflix. Getting there. I just figured, I just almost feel like you would have to know. I don't feel like you could not know in today's, like they've got the apps yeah. on their phone. Yeah, they've yeah, got, yeah. you know. Facebook updates and Instagram. I mean, I feel like they would know. Every time somebody loses, they've got to know. Was that a segue for me to say, hey, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, <laughs> yeah. Tennis Rev uh-huh. Pod, and follow us on Twitter at Tennis Rev Pod? They're the same now? No. <laughs> Wait. One of them is Tennis Revolution Pod. thought it was Twitter. Son of a. <laughs> no, I think Instagram is Tennis Revolution tennis Pod. Re- yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. I got it. I'm here. I'm there. I'm everywhere. <laughs> Don't want you to miss out on all our photos. Um, <laughs> By the way, our star curse was lifted. I guess. What's that? Yanina. No, no, no. I've got it. Okay. I figured it out. <laughs> you follow me for a day and then unfollow, and the world is yours. <laughs> That's apparently what happened. Took her a while, but yeah, she. Did she win two rounds or one? Uh, I think she won two. Yeah, if she won two. Then it's and then, then it's real. <laughs> I thought you were going to say for every minute she follows us, that's how many matches she wins. Ooh, nice. <laughs> no, I listen, I have no problem with you following us and then bouncing. But all you know, I just want you to understand that the reason you follow us in the first place is because you listen to the pod. There's right. no way you accidentally just follow us. Yeah. How is that possible? <laughs> with a one and an S back, you know, when I was doing 10S, you know, <laughs> come on. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm almost 100% sure she listens. Yeah. Call in. I mean, we're, you're not playing right now, so. Were I mean, you, maybe she is. She's playing doubles. So we didn't have any of our uh, hometown heroes. Did They all did nothing. That was depressing. That was our other criteria we were looking for. Yeah, it it got ugly early. Edmund, Edmund, you know, had a chance against Djokovic. I was kind of disappointed with how he faded. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, again, he is super young. Just because everyone, including him, is the next big, big right. thing doesn't mean give him a minute, you know. With him, I don't – well, now that you mention that, we got to talk about Zverev. I mean – I just don't get it. Six zero in the fifth, and they said that's the second time he's lost six zero in the fifth. It's, in a slam. Um, it, everything he does just confounds me. I don't understand how he can be. I mean, everybody would say he's the next 
number one or Grand Slam winner, except for me. I don't say that <laughs> because you have to beat someone in a Grand Slam for me to have any respect for your game. Well, here's what you have to do to be the quote unquote next Grand Slam winner is be young enough to still be playing when Federer and Nadal and Djokovic <laughs> retire. Which he is. Yeah. So, yeah. I think one well, thing. No, no, no. You have to be young enough to not be too old when the next right. group comes behind True. you and, and passes you immediately. Well, he's only 20 or 21, I think. Yeah, I know. But I think the one thing that hurts him, and in, in regular terms, it helps him. He's great on all surfaces. But I think it actually hurts him in slams because he's not dominant on one surface. Like, I don't think he's. I can't. I don't think you could say what his best surface is right now. Yeah. Because he's won a Masters on hard court and clay. But then in, I feel like he's. He did splits he, his time. Did he win that Masters on uh, grass? <laughs> He's never lost a match on a Masters grass court uh, tournament. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, you can say that about a lot of the young guys. Um, they're really yeah. putting in the work. Right. But, but yeah, I just think in some ways that he doesn't really have an identity in terms of... By the way, somebody's going to tweet me that there are no Masters yeah, exactly. tournaments on grass. By the way, we know that, so please don't. <laughs> but, like, team is clearly best on clay. A lot of these guys are clearly best on hardcore. I feel like... Zverev, it can't just be the three out of five thing. I don't buy that as a reason. Yeah, because well, it could be the week in week out. You know, having looking at that long seven match road. I mean, I it's definitely know. become a mental thing at this point. Where just you just self lost it so many times. He's got to be yeah. thinking about it. Yeah, but just six zero in the fifth. I can't understand that, and it's not to good players. Mm. Uh, yeah, it was, and then he almost. I mean, he should have lost to Fritz actually. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was a great. Had it not been suspended, I think he might have. But yeah, and and but you know, are those matches fool's gold? Because then they play these players, and you know, uh, God, it's so it's such an unhealthy time in men's <laughs> tennis. Oh yeah, they were raving about Fritz being the next big American, and I'm oh, like, what results does he have to indicate here that? Here we go. <laughs> oh I, well, I never get excited about any American player ever because they're overhyped always. Oh yeah, absolutely for sure. McDonald has actually not been hyped that much, and he was great. You know, um, I'm so the second week way more excited about watching women way yeah. more because the only thing that excites me about the men is who can beat the big two right or big three now. And the answer is nobody. <laughs> um, so I guess the only thing next we're excited about is Djokovic and Nadal. I mean, I think someone could beat Nadal. I don't know what his draw is offhand, but I actually thought Vesely would give him a much tougher match. But I think he. There are people that he can lose to in the draw because he's well, lost he's, to those kind of players before. Well, he's waiting on um, the Delpo Simone match to finish. It got suspended. And see, Simone would have zero chance to beat him. Right. Delpo maybe if he doesn't play two hours tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. We'll have a chance he, to beat he him. Needs more of a break. Um, I wish Isner was playing him because I've always said Isner could beat Nadal in a big match. Right. And he just hasn't had an opportunity in a long time. But well. We may have somebody that can give us an answer. I hope on this men's tennis. I don't know if it's going to be the answer we want, though. <laughs> we have a special guest. I think I teased this last week. The long tease is what we call it. <laughs> um, but we have a special guest, and uh, he'll be in the studio for the second half. And that is one. Wait for it. Taylor Dent. Nice. I wish I had a button to do claps and stuff, like applause, but <laughs> right. I have no discernible broadcasting skills, <laughs> so I don't. Um, and I can't do impressions and things like that. But He's, uh, he's signing autographs for all our fans outside there we before go. he comes in. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, so we're going to dedicate the uh, 
the second half to the former 21 in the world. What? <laughs> what? Um, yeah. And uh, another tidbit, a little known game style you may have heard of. Uh, called net rusher. <laughs> I don't know that thing in the middle of the court called yeah. a net. People used to go towards that and hit balls out By of by choice out of the air. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> I thought. I mean, I think they changed that rule though. You're not allowed to do that. If you're going like, to do it, you have it's to. It's like pickleball. You can't cross the line. I don't know. The you, I don't know what you're saying to me. <laughs> I've never heard of any of these things. Is, I'm changing. I'm starting a pickleball podcast. No, you have. They have a rule in pickleball. You can't get within like three feet of the net. There you go, pickleball listeners. <laughs> That's it. That's all we're ever going to talk about, your dumb sport. And if you don't like it, to, uh, call in because I don't care. Yeah. I don't even know what you are. I, you, I, listen, you're ping pong. You're That's ping right. pong for grownups. That's right. Good for you. Pickleball, pickleball. What What does a pickle have to do with anything? I don't even understand. I've never understood that, no. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't know. Unbelievable. I have no reason. Way to bring that. the podcast all the way down to the Screeching toilet. halt. All right, so but we're gonna get it kicked right back up with Taylor Dent right after this. It's time to join the revolution. Go to our website, tennisrevolutionpodcast.com, to get the latest episodes, email us your questions and comments, or give us show ideas. with the one and only, I don't know if I'm going to overhype this or not based on your Wikipedia page here, Taylor Dent. Now, what you can hear in the studio is the throngs of fans listening to their radios cheering, cheering for the former number 21 <laughs> player in in Texas. No, not in Texas. In the United States, not hardly. How about 21 in the world? Is that is that accurate? I guess Part of that's accurate. 21 in the <laughs> world part? is the throngs of fans what? cheering for me. I'm not so sure that is quite accurate. They sh- Well, first of all, you, you're listening to a tennis or you're on a tennis podcast. So people are listening to this on purpose, I think. So they're tennis fans. So I'm actually almost positive they're going to be they're going to know you and they're going to be fans. And one thing I think they're going to remember about you the most is that you probably have the best volleys, even probably these jokers today. I'm telling you. That's uh, Listen, I'm not going to have you badmouth anybody out there on the tour today. You're a gentleman. I'm not. <laughs> you, your volleys, anybody in the top 25 right now would pay me money if I could give them your volleys. Uh, well, I'm I'm sure that uh, Roger might have a little issue with that for sure. No, uh, he's got so much money he doesn't care. And then the other ones are just basically laughing, saying, "Well, that may be true, but those volleys are are worthless in today's tennis." Mm. <laughs> All right, thank you, folks. That's the end of the podcast. Uh, my da- hopes are dashed and ruined. Well, I'm uh, older than you. I'm not going to tell everybody how old you are, but I'm old. But uh, I'm a huge net rushing fan. Played that way, and a lot of my favorite players growing up were that. Stefan Edberg was one of the main ones, and uh, and I think the sad, the saddest thing—not saddest, it might be a little strong—but the but the toughest thing to to watch these days is that everybody is playing themselves. Yeah, and and so you don't see a lot of variety, and really, a lot of the men's game gets a little boring. 
in that regard. If if you're out for variety, then I I, I hate to say the word boring, um, but you are going to see uh, the players manufacture and try and win points the same way. There's no doubt about it. You're not going to see someone you know crush the ball flat and, or or net rush or you know, I, play defensively too much. I mean, if you want to play at the high level of tennis. You need to win it with aggressive topspin, opening up the court, and and looking to take the ball early to so the opponent can't recover. Um, so as as far as you're concerned about variety, then I you know there is a lack of variety that was there 20, 30 years ago. But man, you can't deny the skill that it takes to play it today's game. I mean, it is just so impressive to watch going out on the court. And I I feel like I'm you know reasonably talented at tennis and trying to do the things that uh, you know Federer. Is doing Nadal is doing all those guys that up at the top are doing. It's just it's incredible. It's it's really overwhelming that they can do that with such consist- consistency. Right now, how how different do you think if you were twelve years younger, coming up with different equipment? Maybe you know what I mean. I mean, or is your body type and your mentality? Is, is it just you know? all in, come to the net, you know, so, because we always talk about, you know, this greatest player of this generation would beat that greatest player of that generation, which is unfair because, you know, Rod Laver didn't train in 2004, 5, 6, coming up, you know. That's right. So, are you outside of sort of the equipment era of these guys? Did you not train, you know what I mean? So, you know, again, I'm not trying to say, hey, I would be awesome if I would train today. But, you know, I mean, are there some things that you missed out age-wise that you kind of missed the window? I mean, you didn't play with wooden rackets except for your 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 great, great – but the real player in the family, I do apologize to say, your father. <laughs> well, that is true. Uh, Phil Dent, um, he obviously played with wooden rackets back in the day. So you didn't do that, but did you miss a window? No, I probably would have won about 50 Grand Slams, 51, something like that. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. No. You know, would I have trained differently when I was younger? I probably would have emphasized different things. But, man, you just you can't deny the the specialness of what Federer has been and Nadal has been. Even if, like, I, I reminisce about that all the time with the players that, you know, I train against and, or sorry, train with and all that sort of stuff. And I just say the one shot that I think that would have made a, a little bit of an impact to my career would have been a forehand. You know, I, I hit the forehand wrong when I was on tour. There's no doubt about it. I went about it the wrong way. I thought about it the wrong way. And if I would have done that differently, then uh, instead of being maybe a third or fourth round Grand Slam uh, contender, I maybe would have been a quarter or semi. Does that make a difference? Maybe in my eyes it does. Maybe, you know, in the grand scheme of tennis, it doesn't. I mean, it's not going to change who's, you know, the greatest player of all time and, and who's dominating tennis over the past 10 years. So, you know, if I would have known where tennis was going, would I have trained differently? Yeah, probably would have made a big difference to my career. Maybe in my eyes, it would have been marginal. Right. Well, I, I agree with you in terms of the immense level of talent and the incredible things that are being, that we're witnessing. You know, I mean, I just think about it in my lifetime. And again, you're not, you know, that old, but you're, uh, you're definitely out of your playing days, but you were old enough to see Jordan. LeBron, right? So you've lived through all, Ali a little bit, you know, uh, but Mike Kobe. Ti- Kobe, Mike Tyson. Listen to that California nonsense. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. Don't bring that in here. Um, you know, and so, yeah, so now we're seeing. And then also, listen, well, you've had a golden era of tennis from the time you were watching tennis probably. Yeah. Uh, with all the McEnroe era, then the Sampras era, and then now, 
uh, this era, it's just been great, 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 and then great. So we've been pretty lucky. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it just keeps getting better. And, and like I said, it may fade in and out of what you want to see. You know, I know there's a lot of tennis players out there that kind of vent to me. They want to see more serve and volley tennis. And I get that. You know, that, that's reasonable. I understand. Um, but you can't argue with the skill that's out there right now, the the level of execution that's out there right now. It just, in my opinion, I think tennis is as entertaining, if not more entertaining to watch now than it ever has been before. I mean, I love it. I think it's unbelievable. Right. Well, and I guess maybe boring was too strong a word, but I think, <laughs> but but I think you know what I mean yeah. when it's, no, it's you're watching the same point, it is the same match, and more importantly, you're watching two players who you know this one is better than that one at this. So this is the result that's going to happen because they're doing. If you and I were arm wrestling, we know what's going to happen. Look at those arms. Come on, this guy. He's a specimen still at his elder age. I don't even know how old you are, but. You know, it, 25. It, there he is. So, it, you know, so you're watching Fetter hit, you know, cross-court forehands with somebody. You know what the outcome is going to be. Now, it's true. You, you can't argue with that. But I guess if I was taking, you know, if I was playing the other side, I would just say these. there's such a fine margin that, you know, you get a guy like George playing a guy like Federer on his best surface, and, and he beats him because Federer's a little bit off. George is having a pretty good day, and, and there you go. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And will it matter for Wimbledon? Uh, don't know about that. Well, here we are in the But it mattered for Halle. Oh, there we go. All right, so middle Sunday of the, the minute, minuscule, short, pathetically short grass court season. It's an absolute travesty how short it is. <laughs> so grass court, I feel like I've seen, if you look at the court, Last year, the year before, the year before, the year before, stretching back six or seven years, you would see all the grass on the baseline brown and dead, and then nothing. The rest of it looked like the most beautiful lawn, you know, whatever. This year, during the grass court, it looks like you're seeing a path worn out towards that funny thing up there in the middle called the net. Are we seeing more volleying these days? I think so. I I think... You're going to see more volleying now. Is it the spectacular volleying that we want to see from you behind had, the baseline? That you had? Yeah. I, well, <laughs> I don't know. Let's not call that spectacular. Let's call it desperation. But uh, I think, look, these guys are so fast out there on tour. And I think you have to press the attack, more or less. And I, I think once you get the opponent off of the court, you have to look for opportunities to take the ball early and come to the net and finish. You just can't let them uh, take one crossover step and recover to the middle of the court. It just doesn't happen. The points last too long, and you have to hit too many good shots. So I just think, whether it's grass or whether it's hard court, um, the transition of tennis is going to be, once you get the opponent off the court, you, you look to take time away so they can't recover. These tennis players are, are so fast and so fit these days, um, and they're learning how to move so well. Like I remember you know, back when I was playing, when I was starting playing, if, if you got ahead in the point, it was real tough to recover. Now these guys take one step, uh, crossover and and they're back in the middle of the court and the points neutral so you you have to take advantage of of the positioning on the court when you can. That's a really good point, M- multiple points, but one in particular is even even comparing it back to the wooden racket days where once you got a guy on the run, unless they threw up a lob and the whole point reset, I mean once you got them in trouble they were in trouble. And then once we got to the power era, it was a little bit different. But you're right, they couldn't cover the court still as well as these guys. But now, not only can they cover the court, but they can uncork any shot from anywhere 
and put it anywhere at any time. And so every point you're always in danger. But but reflecting on the on the grass and these 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 patterns that my uh, gardening degree in college um, helped me notice is to me it seems that if if I'm playing Federer, I can't beat him from the ba- or Nadal anybody. I'm playing playing these guys from the baseline. I can't beat him from the baseline. There's no point in trying. I mean that sounds stupid. Of course there's a point in trying, but you know what the numbers, the percentages end up being. You're not going to win. So the cream rises to the top. So maybe not taking a current baseliner and trying to make them volley. That'd be a tough, tough sell if, if they didn't train that way. But as youngsters coming up, I mean, you're training young kids, training to come up, give them that awkward ability to where they can switch up that gear. Because if I can't handle you from the baseline, I've got to do something different. When I get one chance, I can't put it away on you. But if I slide in and take time and then put it away, I mean, does that make sense? Is that maybe a way volleying can slide back into this game? It's true. It just depends how you want to try and do it. I mean, if, if you're telling me that you're coming in on a bluff uh, and, and it's a mediocre shot, then I'd say, man, I, I hope that that guy just panics, you know, seeing you come to the net. I know, you know, in, in my career, there was a, a couple of players that just didn't like seeing me up at net and I didn't even have to play that well. I literally just had to walk up to the net and, and they wouldn't play very well, even though they were great players. Um, and it was just a great matchup for me. Um, but I would, I'd say in general, in today's game, it, you know, you got to come in on something that's meaningful. You got to come in on something that's uh, putting them in a bad situation. Because if you play Federer and you are starting at the net at the service line and he's starting at the middle of the court in the baseline and you feed the ball in and you play that point out, you are a vast underdog in that point. Now, it's not to say that being at the net is not an advantage in certain situations, but if you are not way ahead in the point by the time you get to the net, that is a big disadvantage. So the problem comes in in this area is by the time you get to the net, you better be ahead in the point. So now the question is, how do you get to the net ahead in the point? You know, you, you pick on a weaker side like Nadal does with Federer. You know, he, the matchup is pretty good for Nadal. You know, he rips his forehand pretty heavy and into Federer's backhand, gets a weak ball and can uh, dictate the point and come to the net when he chooses. Um, so, so that's one way to get to the net. The other way is if you, you know, if the opponent is a little more solid than you, maybe they're not taking as many risks as you, as you. So you can hit towards the side of the court, stretch them out, have them reach. Then that's a great time to come to the net. I just think that you have to really be careful coming to the net in, in modern tennis because there's so much damage that can be done uh, by the baseliner. No, I agree. Well, here's an example of a player that maybe could have done better in some tournaments, in some matches in particular, but they have literally one of the worst volleys I've ever seen at the pro level, and that's Zverev. I mean, again, I don't know how close you are to the game and how close you are to still players that are on the tour. I don't want you to piss anybody off if you don't feel comfortable doing it. But I will do that part. But, you know, he would – you're talking about a guy who can compete with the top players off the ground. Now, he may not be able to stay with it in terms of his emotional control and made him, you know, for the long haul against his top players. But within games, within points, he's on offense. He's got the upper hand. They may be, not be stepping in and being fully offensive, and so he's going to have opportunities. But his volley is so horrendous. It's, it's appalling how you get to that level and your volley's that bad. Yeah, that's just tennis. I mean, you know, you said it. Does he have the skill to volley that Federer does or generations past have had? No, he's, he certainly doesn't. Um, but, you know, you're talking about some guy who's 
you know, top five in the world. Oh, sure. As, I mean, it, it, so. If he had your volleys, and I'm, I'm trying to put you in the middle of it, but if he could volley to the level of your volleys, he would have grand slams by now, in my opinion. Yeah, you could be right. I, I think that his forehand is a little bit of a question mark, in my opinion, as well. Because, again, I think you have to get to the net behind uh, a forehand. You know, that that's just kind of where I am in, in modern tennis. And his forehand is fantastic some days. And then his forehand just looks like he's just trying to find the strings some days. Right. So I, I feel like it's it's a combo. Being able to get to the net is about being able to uh, follow follow it into the net behind a, a big forehand, an accurate big forehand. Right, right. And again, not to pick on him, obviously he's you know an amazing player. It, it, just using that as an example. Because right. I'm not a guy that's saying, oh, I wish for the good old days, let's use wood rackets again. I am of the mindset that, listen, there are a slew of elite all-time players that are ahead of you, and they play from the baseline. Mm. You've got to get in where you fit in. Yep. You yep. know, and so that's where I'm at with, can the volley come back in that regard? And, and – are people even thinking of the volley in terms of their training? I think it has to. I think in terms of serving and volleying, in my opinion, no. In ret- in terms of chipping and charging, I think no. And I, again, I could be wrong. It's just my opinion. But I think in terms of opening up the court and taking the next ball early and coming in, I think it has to. Just for the same reason we talked about a couple minutes ago is, is guys are so fast. If you don't start taking time away, and that's the biggest advantage of a volley in modern tennis is the amount of time that you take away from the person recovering and getting to the middle of the court. So if you open up the court, you take the ball, next ball early to the open court, and you come in and, and poke a volley away, I think that is kind of the the modern way to get to the net. And, and I do think it's necessary because if you're not willing to do that, guys are too fast. They're, they're too good. They're going to neutral, neutralize the point. And uh, if you don't win the point when you get an opportunity to, they're going to turn it around. Yeah. Well, I... Um I hope that more of these hard courts maintain uh, a faster pace so we can have that variety of surface. Otherwise, you're never going to have a variety. It, why, if everything's slow, then no, the volley will never be in vogue again, ever. And I, it drives me crazy. I think it's interesting, you know, because my, obviously my father, Phil Dent, was a serving volleyer, and he played in the, in the 70s, uh, you know, 60s and 70s. And we talk about how to get serving volley more involved in the game and it's just a really interesting thing because serving and volley tennis is about quick points you know and that's not what's necessarily entertaining a lot of times on on tv sometimes you like right. to see the contrast you know i remember i know this for certain is the people who come up to me and say oh taylor you played such a great match against uh so and so and I remember that match, and it's like the worst match I played, you know. And it's because it's fun to watch because I'm not serving well, and I'm not chipping and charging well, and putting volleys away, so the points are actually lasting longer. And I'm having to dig and dive and do miraculous shots to win points. Um, but when a servant volleyer executes well, it's actually not that entertaining. No, you know, it's the beautiful. Aren't long. It's absolutely gorgeous. Though <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's beautiful. It's absolutely stunning. I mean, but, yeah. it's how it's. You know, it's it's one of the ways tennis should look. Yeah, well, it, I mean, you have all these rules, and you can use all these different ways to play, and that is one of the ways. And I do think, I think you're right. Serving volley is tough because guys can get a hold of these returns, um, and you know, and not, let's not forget the ladies. Of course, I mean, they're hitting big too. Yeah. Uh, and plus, typically they're not as big or as quick to get to the net, and so that makes them tough covering the court. So it's, it, I think it's an even tougher road over there. But I do think. 
those players that are trying to find their place and they can't compete just going ground to ground, they've got to mix it up. And so maybe not serving volume, but finding that transition game and working and, and, and doing something different. Yeah. No, I agree 100%. you got to look for those those little opportunities where you can take the ball early, you know, hit it accurately and, and come on in. You know, one guy who came to the net really, really well was Roddick Stepanek. You know, yeah. He did not have a big game. He did not have a big serve. There was nothing about him that uh, was overwhelming, yet he could take the ball early when it mattered, come to the net, and finish a volley away. So I, I think that there are opportunities to do that, and uh, you just have to do it wisely. Well, I'm just glad there's coaches out there that are that are influencing young players that have the volley in mind. I mean, obviously you're not teaching. It's not a serve volley academy. But it, uh, it, volleying, I would imagine, is, is front of mind um, on a regular basis. Is that fair? It is somewhat fair. I, we probably don't volley at, as much as we should, to be honest with you. But I blame that on our students. Their groundies just aren't good enough. <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, he knows students are listening, so he's t- taking a jab. Um, well, again, the grass c- court season's too short. If it was longer, if all four slam sort of had a season leading in that were just as long maybe the u.s open was a little faster maybe the australian was a slower and you got the clay in the grass hopefully being what they are supposed to be do you think more of that stuff would come in because there'd be more points at stake for that style of play available sure, sure. absolutely i mean it, you know the tennis players aren't aren't uh you know they're not stupid you know, so if they see a benefit to coming to the net more, and they're going to get more points because of that, and they see an opportunity for that, then absolutely, you know, they'll they'll specialize for grass court tennis. Um, but but like you said, you know, it's not out there. And the other thing about grass, obviously, the the surface doesn't change much. I know that they've you know experimented with hybrid grasses and and graining them different ways to slow the courts down, all that sort of stuff. But the biggest difference that I felt when I played was the uh, the ball, to be honest with you. The ball was so heavy, and it would go so slow through the air, and I think they did that to, to get more tennis in instead of just the serve and first ball because that's what's entertaining on TV. I remember one of the last uh, Wimbledons I played, I was hitting slice backhands, and my slice backhand was, you know, if it wasn't my best shot, it was one of my best shots, and I was playing a Spanish guy, and he was able to run around my slice backhand on grass in the alley and rip forehands, and, you know, it was, I, I just got to a certain point in the match. I was like, well, this is interesting. I mean, I, I can't even get my <laughs> slice through the court, so this guy can't do this. Um, so the ball it plays a really big factor as well. Well, that's depressing to hear. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. That uh, Listen, TV, the money, all of it matters, obviously. Um, but I, I think it may be short-sighted trying to sort of make every surface closer to the same. Why don't you just make them all hard court and be done with it? Well, I think it goes in cycles. You know, it, it goes in cycles because for a while there, you know, when Sampras was number one and dominating. I'm not, who's that? I'm yeah, not. Pete Sampras. You know, he, he played some tennis. Well, if, you, if you've listened to this podcast, which clear you, you haven't, and I won't take offense to that, uh, he is the greatest player in the history of this game. But that's neither here nor there. Interesting. All right. Well, Sorry. That may to, be for a different day. There we go. That may be for a different I just, day. I just teased the former number 21 in the world into coming back to the podcast. <laughs> that's radio gold there, folks. So but, what were you going to uh, say? So that it goes in cycles. Yeah, it just goes in cycles. You know, we had a, an experience with uh, Pete Sampras, and there were a lot of his contemporaries who you know relied heavily on serving first ball. And so the rallies were not super long. So, you know, obviously – 
what uh, fans wanted to see was a few more rallies. You know, they wanted yeah. to see more of that Agassi style of play. And so the tour slowed down. I, I practiced a lot with Pete. And, and as his career went on, he would kind of vent about, you know, the surfaces slowing down. And now we have a condition where there's a lot of rallies, you know, even on grass court. You watch right. you watch grass court highlights from, from Wimbledon's past in, in, in the recent history. And there are substantial rallies, substantial points uh, being played out there. And so, obviously, the next thing is people are going to cry out and say, man, we wish we could see some more, you know, uh, fast court players, you know, some more uh, chip and charges and serve volleyers. And so I just think it's going to be a cyclical thing forever. You're never going to create a circumstance where it's beneficial to be a baseliner and beneficial to be a serve volleyer. The only way to compromise would be to do what you say and have specific seasons for each player. You know, have the Australian be really slow for uh, you know a baseliner have the french obviously is going to be slow for a baseliner and have wimbledon us open be great for uh serving volleyers um it, it, but if you try to make the uh, surfaces kind of you know uh consistent then it's always going to be advantageous for one player over the other right i mean i look at it like i i like it more like baseball fields versus football field every football field you go to is exactly the same or should be Whereas every baseball field, you've got different nooks and crannies. Walls are different lengths in the middle versus right or left field. You've got wall heights are different. You've got some ivy out there. You know, none of your California ballparks are all dead. They're nothing. <laughs> they're soulless. But, you know, but you know they're all different, so you sort of have a different look. So you go play in, in an away ballpark, and you don't know how to play. You've got to, you know, kind of whatever. So I, I think there should be that variety uh, because tennis lends itself to, to that variety. And if you're trying to make every surface close, then just bail and do all hard courts and just vary the amount of sand, and the tolerances <laughs> will be within, you know, a half mile an hour of the ball, and then who cares? You know, don't tease us by playing on grass that plays just like a hard court. What's the difference? Right. No, I, I get your point, and I, I see what you're saying. I mean, the bottom line is, though, is uh, the players – especially the top 10 players, they, they have quite a bit of uh, pull in, in, in what goes on. I remember, and I'm sure you remember back, uh, you know, in Madrid on the clay court, the blue, they tried the blue, you know, just for some variety, for something different. Players said, no, no, do that again. And we're not going to come back next year. So, you know, obviously the, the players have uh, a lot of say in, in what the surfaces play like in the safety of it and, and all that sort of stuff. So I think there's just, there's a lot of battles to be fought to get a drastic change in tennis. Yeah. And, and believe me, I'm not looking for drastic blue clay. I didn't like either. I mean, I think it was for the TV just was, to see yep. better. Cause it's hard to see, but we got 4k nowadays. Come on. Now. We're good. We well, can see, you know, yeah. um, it's all about the color wheel. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but your eyeshadow looks great today. <laughs> um, he doesn't have, a, I'm kidding. He's going to punch me. Um, well, in terms of in terms of the future of the game, you mentioned sort of back in your day trying to predict, and you might not have done what you wanted to do with your forehand. Where do you see tennis going? I'm putting you on a spot here, but what do you see coming next? Um, I mean, can they just keep hitting bigger and bigger and bi are they going to basically be hitting holes into the court at some point? Tennis always goes on on what technology changes happen, right? I mean that that's what it is. You know, you see a different breed of player because of the graphite rackets over the wood, and then you see a different breed of player uh, because of the polyester strings over the synthetic or the gut strings. So let's just say it stays the same with the polyester strings. They generate so much spin 
that it is really tough to see the game changing drastically. It's only going to get bigger, stronger, and faster. Um, so you're going to need a big serve so just to keep the uh, returner at bay, a big forehand to finish points on serve. You're going to need need to be fast, you know, just, just to be able to break guys because, you know, everybody serves pretty big. So you start the point behind. You're going to have to be able to retrieve and prolong that point for a few shots at least. Um, you know, I, I, I felt like, you know, when Djokovic, sorry, when Del Potro beat Federer in the final of the U.S. Open, I felt like he was the future of tennis. You know, I always, I always look at tennis like, where do I hit the ball when I'm in trouble so I can just prolong this point? And when you talk about Joe Del Potro when he beat Federer, where do you hit the ball? If you hit the ball to his forehand, point is over. If you hit the ball to his backhand, point's over. So that, that, that's a pretty troubling prospect right there. And then he got hurt, and Djokovic came along, and he did the same thing. You know, he didn't quite hit the ball as big as Del Potro did, but he basically did the same thing. I mean, where are you going to hit the ball against that guy? You know, he's got one of the best forehands on tour. He's got one of the best backhands, if not the best backhand on tour. So if you're in trouble, where do you go? What do you do? Um, I just think that you're just going to have to be so solid off the forehand, off the backhand, off the serve, off the return. I don't think, and unfortunately, you know, Maybe this doesn't get me invited back to the podcast, but I don't think you're going to need to be, you know, Roger Federer, you know, or Rod Laver at the net. You're just not going to need to be that. You're just going to need to be able to put the strings on the back of the ball and poke it away by the time you get to the net. But I, I here's what I do know: you got to have a good serve, got to have a solid forehand, and you got to have a solid backhand, and you got to be able to move fast. If you don't have those things, you know, talking about being a a, a world class player at the elite, elite, elite. It's not on the cards. Yeah. Well, let me ask you about women's tennis. It's a little different because this there's not a lot of women that are six six or better. I don't know of any on the tour, and so the, the power is still big. I mean, those ladies are still crushing the ball, but they're not hitting it like the men. And since they're smaller and covering the same size court, they don't cover it as well. So does that lend itself to maybe the women's game? ultimately surpassing the men's game in terms of its excitement, its unpredictability, its you – because know, if we get four guys that can move like Federer but are the size of Del Potro, who's going to beat those guys? Now we're now we're literally talking about the big four. On the women's side, I don't think that's as much as a, a, a factor. So It's interesting that you say that. Look, I think that what would make men's tennis boring is uh, a serve and no return, if that makes sense. So is the it, 90s? It, yeah, it is is if we see you know no points being played, then then I think tennis gets boring. Um, on the women's tour, you know, if you take that stance, absolutely, you know, they you don't have anybody out there that's just going to serve you know twenty five aces a match. They're they're going to have to win by hitting ground strokes and, and by toughing out points and playing points. And uh, the women's game is man, it is super super aggressive for the reasons that kind of you said. I mean. You know, guys can can hunker down. I mean, you see Vavrinka, you see Team, you see a lot of guys that hunker down, and they're they're you know running over the uh, line umpires at the back of the court. You know, they're they're 18 feet behind the court. Um, girls just don't do that. You know, they they stand closer to the baseline, and for the most part, and they, and they try to dictate play. Um, so it is more aggressive. It, it is more offensive, and you get to see more tennis. I mean, th- that's just what you get because. Uh, you don't have an, an Isner out there. You don't have a Karlovich. You don't have a Raonic. You don't have a Kevin Anderson. And and on and on it goes. I mean, it seems like in the men's, men's game, you're getting more and more guys that are 6'5", 6'6", plus. And uh, I, you know, 
because watching them hit first serves for a game is is not that entertaining. Right. Well, I think what's going to happen is they're going to start being able to move like the shorter guys because Isner can't move. I mean, he moves as well as I do. You've seen me. So he's he's you know got some big stuff obviously that has has propelled him to you know a, a, an elite player. But when he's got to move more than you know ten feet over three sets, he's he's he struggles. But what if we get a guy that's the size of Delpo but can move like Nishikori, right? And, and unstoppable, then, right? Yeah, well, robots, I, robot tennis is are the future. Is yeah, what I'm saying. I guess, but I mean, and then you get to the point. Like, what if you have you know, it it would come to the point of you know Isner playing, I don't know, one of those guys we we mentioned, Isner playing Rayonich. You know, it, it's going to be serves, and, and what, what we're going to see realistically is going to be breakers. You know, three right. breakers, four breakers, five breakers. And uh, I, I think that if that – that's my dad's biggest fear for tennis, to be honest with you, is that we get a slew of people that are six, eight, and over and that can just serve their way through matches. And uh, But I think if that happens again, then then you'll see a change because that's not going to be entertaining. And, and at the end of the day, uh, tennis – survives off of entertainment value and and so i think we'll we'll see a change in in some of the rules well i think i've got the answer to that problem all right let's hear it i'm ready i'm excited i just gave it to you it's the answer ai alan iverson six foot at best but was in the nba hall of famer you're always going to have a diego schwartzman you're always going to get in where you fit in you know so if you're tall and you know there's still some disadvantages no tennis is is certainly um, very favorable to all body types for sure. And, and, you know, we hope it stays that way. That's what makes tennis entertaining. Um, but the, the, the fear is again, is if it doesn't stay that way, if it ends up being too favorable for people that are, you know, six, eight plus, then, and, and then you'll, you'll start to see one brand of tennis that, uh, you know, it, it is nice to watch from time to time, but maybe not nice to watch over and over. Yeah. I think those shorten the baselines by two feet. Problem, yeah. problem solved. <laughs> we'll be playing pickleball out here. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, I uh, really appreciate you coming in. Um, we got to get back to the TVs. Uh, Wimbledon, like I said, we're in the middle week, middle Sunday here, Wimbledon, and uh, this will go out on Monday or Tuesday. We record on Sundays. Uh, so tell all your friends and all your fans. Um, now I could not, again, stalk, I, you know, I feel a little stalky, you know, when I'm reading your Wikipedia before I meet, you know, all that kind of stuff. We don't do prep on this show. So the only reason I was reading your, is to stalk you. I don't know. The other thing I did is I looked for anything on any social media. Are you not involved? In, you're younger than me. Are you not involved in social media? Um, social media is not in my wheelhouse for some reason. I don't know what what the deal is with me. I just uh, it was always a chore to do it, and uh, it, it um it doesn't resonate with me all that much. And you know, I, you know, this is what I say about my golf game. It's not a big loss for social me- social media, just like it's not a big loss for the golf course. Fair enough. You, I still I guarantee you're not bad at golf. Have you seen his calves? You haven't, people, but you need to check them out. So I don't know what calves have to do with hitting drives, <laughs> but I they have to be important. Uh, well. Without social media, plugs become tough. Do you at least have a website for the old academy there? Uh, yeah, you know, obviously, if you want to check out the academy, you can either check out uh, Dent Tennis Academy or thebirch.com. That's our new facility that we're building in Texas. Uh, we're pretty excited about. That's basically it. Well, I couldn't think of a better player to have during the grass court, the, the grass court grand slam, somebody who actually knows what should be the game style on grass, even though the rest of the world is 
failing to do it. Hopefully, we'll see some more volume this week and in the future. And uh, Taylor, I really appreciate you coming in. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you.